Welcome to a hangover-fueled edition of Canton Bound, our first show here of the new year. Uh, it's me, Austin, as per usual, uh, here with Colin. What's up, everybody? Hope you guys enjoying the new year here. And uh, we discussed here, we discussed here a little bit before the show, and we decided that our New Year's resolution here is going to be to give you guys all the info you need to just kick some ass across your C2C leagues. We're going to be bringing the heat all year. We're looking forward to talking to you guys uh, for the next 52 weeks. All 52 weeks, every single one, at least one show. Hashtag no days off. Hashtag on that grind. <laughs> Let's just go back and forth and do this for the whole show. Just hashtag. <laughs> that's, that's the theme of today's show. It's, it's hashtags. Uh, yeah, we didn't even rehearse that. And we came up with two like on the spot. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, let's just hop right into the show because we were talking uh, a little bit here and we just have a ton to talk about today. Um, so we our, our big topic today is rookies that disappointed. Uh, if you listen to our episode earlier this week, we talked about freshmen that disappointed or at least didn't perform maybe to the expectations that that we wanted or had. So we wanted to mirror that on, on this episode. Um, uh, but because of our National Signing Day episode, we kind of we we skipped Festivus, and that's you know the airing of grievances. So so we're gonna do that here today. We're we're, we're gonna complain about these guys that didn't do what we wanted them to do, and um, you know maybe hope that that twenty twenty one is better for them. Um, so as per usual, we start off with quarterback. Um, Colin, I know you want to talk a little bit about Tua, so let's do it. Yeah, well, I think two is the two is the big quarterback prospect out of the three big guys, you know, Tua, Burrow, and Herbert that would qualify as a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, I mean, Burrow was lighting the world on fire before his injury. Herbert's looked fantastic, although he's come back down to earth a little bit here lately, uh, but still putting up one of the best rookie seasons, you know, we've seen in a while. Uh, but with Tua, you know, he was picked ahead of Herbert in the draft, you know, and he was a lot of people's QB1 or was QB one going into the uh, the season last year before Burrow had one of the you know best seasons of all time in college there? So expectations were pretty high for Tua in general, um, you know, especially like I said after that sophomore year he had where he put up um, you know eleven point two yards per attempt, sixty nine percent completion percentage, thirty nine hundred yards, uh, forty three touchdowns to six interceptions you know, five extra rushing touchdowns on the ground. So put up one of the most efficient passing seasons that had been on record at that point. So the expectations are real high going into, into last year, into his junior year. And, you know, he obviously had that big injury, but before that, you know, he was still looking good. You know, 11.3 yards per attempt. Uh, completion percentage was up actually at 71.4. Um, you know, through nine games, he had 2,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. So, again, was on pace to have one of the most efficient passing seasons on record. And, you know, obviously everybody knows about that hip dislocation that he suffered there, which, you know, was a, was a pretty gruesome injury. Um, you know, I was reading a little bit about that, um, you know, for show prep here, there was somebody on Twitter and I apologize. Now I follow you. I can't remember your name, but it's, it's one of the PT docs on there. And he was talking about how bad a posterior hip dislocation can be. And it kind of explains why he doesn't quite look the same this year. Um, you know, everybody kind of expected this to be a redshirt year for him anyway. Um, you know, especially with Fitzmagic there. And, you, you know, the Dolphins ended up turning to him. And he's looked okay, but he hasn't looked as good as everybody's wanted him to. Uh, which you could tell because they keep going back to Fitzmagic to win games. Um, you know, they keep 
playing this like dosy do here with the quarterbacks, you know, bringing them in, bringing them out. You know, it's and I get it. They're in playoff contention. So they want to win games, make the playoffs, especially after that dumpster fire every year that they had last year. Um, but you, know, you got to think that that's not doing anything for his confidence, you know, like that's got to that's got to really shake a quarterback's confidence. And that's one of the biggest things for a quarterback. I mean, look at Wentz, you know. Yeah, Wentz struggling with confidence this year, too. So, um, you know, and, and Tua hasn't been bad, you know, when he's played. His, his yards per attempt are pretty low, 6.3, which is, you know, 31st in the league. Uh, but he is number two in accuracy rating on player profiler, which uh, that's something that looks at, like, how pinpoint accurate a pass is and sort of how well it sets up the wide receiver for Yak. Um, you know, and he's number two in that. So, he still has that accuracy. He just looks like he lost a little bit of that mobility, but he is somebody that I do think is, is going to rebound nicely next year with a full off season and, you know, an extra year to put that injury behind him and recover for it. So he's a guy that I would buy, but I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you know, with a lot of big injuries like that, it, it, it often isn't the physical part of coming back. I mean, the rehab goes well, you do everything you need to do, you strengthen. Um, but it's the mental side of things that can really hold guys back for an extended period of time. And it, it does feel to me like Tua is still kind of feeling out what he can and can't do uh, with that hip. And I think giving him another year, because like you said, I think I think everybody kind of expected him to register it this year. I don't think he expected to play this many games. So uh, yeah, I, I, I would buy him. He's been more of a game manager this year, but... I can't really remember any rookie quarterbacks that have been successful game managers over the past, you know, five to six years. Um, they either like, they, you know, light the world on fire or they just suck. So he, he's hitting that in between Mark. And I think that's unique in its own way and impressive because he's not really making that many mistakes. I mean, he's, he's had those couple of games where maybe he hasn't played that well, but it's not like he's been costing them the game by being in there either. He's just not right. pushing them forward enough to win. Um, yeah, I, oh, I I don't know if he's a buy or not. He's a hold for sure. The problem with declaring him a buy is that there's just a couple of quarterbacks coming in this year that are really, really good as well. I mean, I have uh, obviously Lawrence and Fields graded above him as well. And then um, I have, I if you know, neutrally, I would probably rank two as a prospect ahead of any of these other guys, you know, Wilson, Lance, uh, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. Um, but, you know, people have the hip concerns and I can understand that. Um, right. So I, I expect him to to grow with this team over the course of the next two or three years, though. I mean, it does seem like the Dolphins are that next team that's really building towards something great. Um, and because their defense is so good, they can invest a lot of assets or a lot of draft picks on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, well, and they have a lot of draft capital this yeah. year. I mean, they have two firsts. You know, they're probably not going to take uh, a wide receiver. Well, right now they're sitting at the 1-3 with, uh, with the Texans pick. Although I'm hoping that the Texans can pull out a win and beat the uh, beat the Titans this week, that'll help out my Falcons, give them the uh, the one three. But either way, I don't expect them to go wide receiver that early. You know, maybe they use uh, go after a wide receiver for their uh, their next first round pick, which I would love to. And I'm I'm not unique in this. You know, this isn't like some bold take, and I'm not often anything here that's prophetic or anything like that, but. I would love to see them reunite Waddle with him. You know, I think that would be just absolutely fantastic for that offense as a whole, just because they're kind of missing that dynamic playmaker slot type of a guy overall. 
I mean, they have what? Jakeem Grant. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, meh. But yeah, I would love to see them reunite him with them. And I think that would do a lot for to his confidence as well to just have a guy there that he he knows he's comfortable with, he can rely on um, like he can with Waddle. Because that's probably at this point my biggest concern with Tua is how all of this is going to affect his confidence going forward. Yeah. This yo-yoing at quarterback and you know, kind of being thrown into the fire. And, and like you said, with the the injury side, it's a lot of the, the the bigger hurdle is actually usually the mental aspect of it. So that's while that's my biggest concern, I still really liked Tua as a prospect. I mean, I haven't finalized anybody's grades for this year, um, but I, I think it's him and Fields are going to end up being very close grades wise for me because um, I really liked Tua as a prospect. He was my number one quarterback ahead of Burrow overall yeah. as a prospect. Now the hip injury, uh, you know, did worry me. So you know, if I had, the, fortunately, I didn't have to make the decision anywhere. But if I had the one-one in a superflex, I would have gone Burrow just because of the injury, just to play it safe because you don't want to swing and miss that much um, that early in the draft. So when it's you know, when it comes down to my personal team, I would have taken Burrow just because I don't want to miss up there. And I liked Burrow a lot as well. They were very close. But strictly from a ranking perspective, like I did have two as my QB1 injury aside. Yeah, that worried me too. And actually, I had the 101 in two leagues and I traded it away in both. Um, Smart. Because that, that was my concern. Um, and one league, I traded it away for Russ Wilson in a package a league that we're in together. And then another one I just uh, traded back. Um, So um, yeah, I feel the same way. And I I was looking at their skill positions today and it's, it's very meh. Like just eh. like you have Gesicki at tight end. Yeah. 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 Preston, we have Preston Williams who I liked, but he was injured this year. No draft capital. I think they draft at least one guy ahead of him this year. Probably. I don't hate Devontae Parker, but he's definitely more of like he can be an alpha in a bad offense or he can be the number two wide receiver in a good offense. Right. So if he's your number one guy, you're not doing well. And I think that's the situation they're in right now. Then you have Grant, Hollins, Ford. I mean, all those guys are like you want them to be like your wide receiver four or five, like special teams guy. Right. And they're like featuring heavily. Um, and then, you know, Gasecki, I don't I, he's fine. You know, he's just another one of those mid-tier tight end guys that are like replaceable with like twelve other dudes. Um, yeah, and then I, I like Gaskin, I like Ahmed, but again, just meh. Like I don't think yeah. either of those guys are you know bell cows. Um, they've had good years this year. I, I don't know what they'll do next year in that regard. I have a hard time believing they take a, a running back early. Um, but maybe I mean maybe they do. Maybe I I think their best course of action is going to be to trade down from that early pick and stock up yeah. on some other you know other assets and even if it's like a significant drop you know you drop to like twelve you yeah. know or thirteen or like that range and yeah pick up a bunch of extra picks and right. and uh, and go that route I, I would be in favor of that so right. or if they do stay take you know Penny Sewell and just shore up that O line I know they just yeah. took Jackson. But I don't think Jackson's a guy that you would pass up on a prospect like Sewell for if you're forced to stay there. You know, you can always kick Jackson to the other side um, yeah. or can move him into guard or, or something. You can find another home for Jackson. Um, yeah. You know, Penny Sewell is is somebody who's looking like a top-tier tackle prospect. So, you know, if, if they do stay there, I mean, I think you go that route and just protect him, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, can't have enough tackles in this league. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um so they're really, I mean, the other 
two top quarterbacks both hit this year. I mean, obviously we lost Burrow to the knee injury, and that's a little scary. Um, and Herbert looked, you know, really good. Um, I'm still a little hesitant on calling Herbert right. like one of those top top quarterbacks, like some people are paying a price for. But but those guys both hit. So I guess really the only two quarterbacks that we can talk about would be Jordan Love and Jacob Eason. Um, so I mean, Jordan Love. Um, I guess he did his job this year because he just pissed Rogers off and Rogers went bonkers. <laughs> so, um, I guess he did what they brought him in to do. I don't, I think he's a career backup. That's what I had him graded as coming into the year. He's one of those typical, like looks like Tarzan plays like Jane kind of, you know, big arm, but like the process, there were a ton of processing issues. This dude was just throwing right. just the stupidest passes. Um, you know, it's triple coverage and he's, he's just trying to sling a ball in. So I thought he should have gone back to school. I think he could have transferred to like a, a power five program, like, um, I don't know, like a South Carolina or, um, I mean, people, people are trying to get him to go to LSU, like a school like that. And he could have gone yeah. and played a year and, and rehabbed his image a little bit. Yeah. I think that probably would have been the best call for him, but I mean, I don't hate the idea of him, you know, coming out and, and kind of capitalizing on on some momentum for him, you know, he, he did he got taken in the first round, but and he has the tools, you know, he's got a he's got a real strong arm, you know, he's mobile, you know, he can throw on the run pretty well, he can pick up some yards on some scrambles, you can kind of give him some designed runs too in there. Um, so he's got all the tools that you want, but like you said, it, it, the biggest thing was the pro, uh, the processing issues, which you know is definitely a good situation that he went to where he can sit behind Rogers and not that Rogers is a good mentor or anything like that, but you hope that, you know, maybe I don't know who their number three is, you know, maybe hopefully they're a good mentor or hopefully the floor mentors him or somebody there is, is coaching him up um, or the QB coach, just some, you're hoping somebody is just like working with this guy at least um, because, you know, he does, they, they do have a potential out on, on Rogers next year, but I mean, that's 17 million dead cap. So 2023 is probably more likely where they have 2.8 mil in dead cap if they wanted to cut him. And that would be his what age 40 season, I think. Um, so at that point, you know, they could cut him or they could trade Rogers after next year, or however they want to do it. But Jordan love has like another full year where he'll be able to sit and learn. So, and you're going to find people who just get frustrated with him. Because, you know, they want to clear out the back end of the roster. They're trying to churn it over, pick up the new hot free agent, the hottest undrafted guy. And I think Jordan Love's a guy who's going to get dropped in a lot of leagues this summer if he hasn't already been. So he's definitely a guy that I think I would throw on my watch list. And if I can get him for free, I'll pick him up and I'll hold him just because of the ceiling that he has. Um, and, and he's not a guy that I would expect to do anything anytime soon. So if you go into it with that mindset and you're patient, you know, you could, you could pull a, a, a startable quarterback, or once Rogers does move on, you can capitalize on the hype that you're going to get for him. Um, yeah. You know, somebody will be interested in him. Yeah, I think him and Eason both. I mean, we don't really have anything to say about Eason except for, I mean, you situation wise, what what's it looking like next year with the Colts for him? Yeah, I mean, he's literally the only quarterback that the Colts are going to have on their roster for next year. Um, you know, Rivers is a free agent, and he's been talking about retirement. You know, Brissett's a free agent. You, you got to kind of figure he's probably a little pissed off at the Colts with the way they handled everything, where they brought in Rivers after signing him, and they kind of relegated him to the bench. Um, so, you know, I'd be, I guess there's a possibility that he comes back there, but I think 
it's more likely that he moves on and tries to fill another quarterback vacancy somewhere. Maybe Washington, who's probably going to be too low to get a quarterback. Um, you know, something something like that. Or you know, he goes Brissett goes to Pittsburgh and waits out Big Ben for a year and then just steps in there or something similar to that. Um, and, you know, I mean, the Colts obviously have a competitive roster, so they can go out and get somebody if they don't feel confident that Jacob Eason is going to be uh, a guy who can lead them to the playoffs or anything like that. But just for the simple fact that he's the only one on the roster, you know, you can he's worth a shot if he's free, you know, or if you're looking at a trade and, and you know, you're not super happy with it, but you want just a little bit more, you know, maybe throw him in there and I'll take him and I'll see what happens. Yeah, they both seem like the kind of guys that like you forget about, and then in three years, um, you know, somebody goes down, and they have to play the backup, and then ESPN runs a full piece on like who is Jacob Eason because everyone's yeah. forgot about him by that point, and then like you try to trade him if he has a good game right away because he's not that good, right. and probably won't ever be that good. So right. that, he, he's he's like one of those guys, uh, I think. Yeah, so. I'd agree with that too. He's another like tools kind of a guy. You know, he has that cannon of an arm, um, but. You know, he's not anybody that I'm super interested in. Like I said, if I can get him for free, great. If not, uh, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Yeah, cool. All right. So I think that, I mean, that's like we said, that about is all the, the quarterbacks that anybody expected to, to do anything this year. So uh, moving on to running back, where I think we have a lot more to work with uh, in terms of discussion here. Um, so who who's your top uh, running back that, that disappointed you a little bit here in 2020? Well, I think the... The obvious answer is the guy that I'm going to talk about here, and that's you know, CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, you know, a lot of people, as soon as he went to the Chiefs, just automatically jumped him up to their running back one. You know, he was going in one-one in a lot of places where you know non-superflex leagues, or he was going, you know, one-two or one-three in superflex leagues behind Burrow and maybe Tua. Um, you know, there was uh, there's debates all off season, you know, all summer about CEH versus Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, and Jonathan Taylor's obviously come on here real strong at the end of the year. So it's looking like he was the, the smarter of the two choices there. Although like we mentioned, we were both swift guys anyway, but the person who took CEH where you took him, you're likely very disappointed with what you've been getting. You know, he's uh, got 803 yards, which is 16th in the league. He's got 36 catches for 297 yards, which is you know both 18th in the league. Uh, but those aren't numbers that you want from a guy you're taking in the top third, top three picks in your in your rookie draft. You know you want a little bit more production there. And then when Bell came on the scene, uh, you know in his first game was Week Seven. He hasn't had 100 total yards in any game since Bell come, came in there. And you know so, so he's just everybody's kind of recency bias focus where, you know, he hasn't done anything since. So, you know, they're pretty, pretty fed up with him. So he's a guy that, like I said, you could probably, you probably have a lot of frustrated owners out there and obviously understandably, but when you start looking at the situation for next year, um, you know, Bell is a free agent. He was signed for a one-year deal. You know, he's probably played his way into, get another role somewhere else, you know, he'll sign, you know, maybe a two or three year deal at, you know, something somewhere else. Um, and then you got Daryl Williams, but he's a free agent too. You now Damian Williams will be back, but he missed an entire year. 
So this is looking like it's going to be CEH's offense next year. And the Chiefs are looking like they're going to have ne- – I mean, obviously we don't really know exactly what's going on with the cap. But right now, according to Spotrack, they're projected to have negative $14 million in cap. And that's before you look at they're about to lose their right tackle in Mike Remmers. They're about to lose Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson at wide receiver. I'm this I'm going to butcher this name. Tanoa Pasagnan, the guy from Villanova a couple years ago. He's their starting D end. He's a free agent, as is his backup, Alex Okafor. Daniel Sorensen, their starting strong safety, is a free agent. Brashad Breland's a starting corner. He's a free agent. Their starting center and his backup are both free agents. Anthony Sherman, their starting fullback's a free agent. So they have a lot of needs that they're going to need to fill. So I don't even necessarily see them drafting a guy next year, especially if they just spent a first-round pick on the, on CEH. So I think he's a guy right now that's a cautious buy for me personally, where if you can get him cheap, if you can get the guy frustrated and you know you can you can get him, he's cautiously a buy for me. Yeah, so I actually I actually acquired him in a C two C league, so I can speak to his at least the value that I got for him. I had a roster that I. Um, I hit halfway through the year. It was a startup this year, and um, my team was doing okay, but it, it wasn't like you know crushing it. So I went to blow it up, um, and I had Alvin Kamara on my roster. So I traded Alvin Kamara for Ceh, CJ Stroud, and Jerome Ford, um, and I thought that was pretty good value. Yeah, especially with moving. the way Ford looked today. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ford. Ford's my guy, man. I I've been writing about him since like April, I think. I, yeah, he's so good. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think you can get like that. I think that's pretty good value for him, and he can still be at worst, you know. Like I don't think he's ever going to be a high end RB one. I just don't think he's capable of that. But you know, if he's you know consistently between like RB eight and RB thirteen for a couple years, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, right. And he's on the Chiefs' offense, which is you know you you want a piece of that if you can get it for a reasonable see, price. See, that's the thing though, because I went and looked at uh, running back touches over the past few years for the Chiefs, and um, so I didn't draft Ceh anywhere last year. And and this that roster that trade that I made is the only roster I have him on. I don't have him anywhere else. I would just I, I had him as my fifth rate running back. I had him as like a, a late uh, uh, round two NFL draft pick. I just didn't like the the range he was going in. I, I was never going to own him. Uh, but the narrative was that you want a piece of the Chiefs' offense and you want a piece of the Chiefs' running back core. And so I before the show today, I just went and looked to see why, like if that was true or not. So uh, because people wanted to equate him to Kareem Hunt. And uh, so Hunt's first big year with Kansas City took place in 2017, and that was like his big year with them. Alex Smith was the starter. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes. That right. year, uh, Hunt had uh, 335 combined targets and rushing attempts. And he, so that was like, it worked out to 21 of those per game. All the other running backs on the roster combined for f- um, 89 combined rush attempts and targets. So altogether, between Hunt and every other back on the roster, it was about 26 and a half opportunities per game for touches. And that year, Alex Smith had 505 passing attempts. The next year, Hunt only played 11 games, and in those 11 games, he averaged 181 attempts and 35 targets. So he averaged 19 opportunities per game. So they dropped two, and the team as a whole dropped over three touches per game. 
And that year, Mahomes, who was the main starter, had 580 pass attempts. And you can see where I'm going with this. The correlation between you have your best player who's your quarterback, you want him to pass the ball more than you want to give it to whatever running back you have on the roster. The next year, even after Hunt left, it went back up, but it didn't hit that first year total. It was about 25 and a half touches you know, opportunities uh, per game between yeah, the plethora of running backs that went through there. And I included Anthony Sherman in this exercise, just, right. for, you know, uh, shits and giggles. Um, and, and Mahomes, who missed two games and Matt Moore combined for 576 total pass attempts. So close to that, that total the year before. So when you have an offense where the quarterback's the best player, the second best player is your tight end, and the third best player is your best wide receiver, I don't know why we assumed that a guy was going to go in there and demand a ton of touches and get all this work when it's been trending down for the past three years ever since Mahomes took that job. So I'm not – I mean, I'm buying um, CEH probably at his current value, but the value that he had never made any sense to start off with. Right. Well, I don't know where your analysis was the entire offseason, this entire summer, because I think if you had thrown that cold water on uh, on CEH there and he'd come up with those stats, like I, I didn't hear anybody bringing that up and bringing that into the argument. And, you know, I think I listened to a lot of fantasy football podcasts. Um, I didn't hear anybody really mentioning that. So that's actually really interesting. I mean, I only have one share of CEH, and I took him at the one five spot. Um, you know, it went, it was, a, it's the one league that we're in. It went Burrow and Tua. Then you took Taylor. I took Swift. Um, no, I took him at one six because uh, Evan took uh, CD Lamb. And then I took CEH. Um, where I in a league because I already had uh Dobbins in another league, so I was like, well, let me diversify a little bit and grab CEH here. Um, so that's the only league I have him in, uh, and I'm not going to sell him obviously, you know, with what we're talking about here, but that is really interesting now. That is making me making me think if I can sell him for the right price too at the same time, I may I may do that if I can find somebody who you know, once Bell and once the free agency situation shakes out. You know, somebody's like, oh, well, let me go try and buy CEH. You know, I think it's all price dependent. Um, you know, so I, hearing you bring those out, and this isn't something we talked about, you know, either you had teased me a little bit and you were yeah. like, oh, I have some research I want to drop. Um, you know, after hearing that research, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to look and I'm going to have to think it over a little bit more. Yeah, I think he he's definitely a candidate where if the backfield shakes out in his favor this offseason, I would probably sell him in the only league I have him in as well. Um I, I, I don't know. You saw that that um I got tagged in like one of those um mock, you know, remocks yeah, from last yeah. year today. And CEH went one twelve, I think. So I mean, I think his consensus was like 105 in a super flex last year. That's yeah. a ton of value to lose considering literally almost every other player that we mentioned was also a first round draft pick and gained a ton of value this year. So right. there's like that you have to factor in too. Like you didn't just lose the value on CEH who was going in like the second round of startups, but then you lost out on like, you know, CD lamb was going in like the sixth round and now he's like a third, second or third round guy. Right. Like, like the Jefferson and Higgins yeah. and, you know, Herbert now has made a huge jump. So all these guys jumped CEH. And I would even think that a lot of people out there would think Dobbins had probably jumped him as well. Um, you know, even though I, I had Dobbins ahead of him, I deviated off my board a little bit, just again, for diversity's sake, 
a little bit, um, which I, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't have done it. I do regret it a little bit because Dobbins is looking better. But, you know, all those other guys just jumped him. I don't, and, and he, and he dropped a little bit. So when you have that, you know, convergence there, you know, it creates a, a perfect storm of terrible for him to fall from where he was to what he said, the 112 now. Yep. Yep. Okay. And there were actually a couple of guys still on the board that I think I would have taken over him. I yeah, don't I, just, I don't remember exactly, but there were a couple of receivers that I I would still snag those guys ahead of CEA. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So I yeah, I think that's all we have to say on him. I I wanted to highlight Keyshawn Vaughn here a little bit. <clears throat> Another guy that two thirds of his value was totally just the fact that he went to a place that we presumed was going to be a wide open backfield where he was going to get all right. the touches. Um, he went the third round to Tampa, which was about the. Like I had a mark down. I went, I always go back and just look. I had a marked as like a late third round NFL draft pick. So he actually he went a little earlier, but like nothing crazy. Right. Um but he like yeah, people he he I saw him go in the first round in, in one draft. And I saw him go very early second in several others. I saw him I go early second a lot. Yeah. I don't think that was atypical uh for for leagues. I had about seven or eight rookie drafts last year. So that seemed to be about his spot. Um, we obviously couldn't have known that they were going to go out and get um, uh, Fournette, Fournette, yeah, um, and, and McCoy amongst others. What I I still think he actually has a shot in the NFL. I don't think he's ever going to be an alpha or a bell cow guy. Um, I had him as like I thought. I think his ceiling is like an RB three was my grade on him. I had him as a tier three guy, which means I think his ceiling is a consistent RB three, so like a flex guy. I still think he has that within his range of outcomes. Yeah. Because that backfield's going to shake up a ton this offseason as well. And they're another team where they have a bunch of guys they need to resign. You know, they have Godwin. Uh, you have Brady there, presumably, who wants to play till he's like 80. Um, so <laughs> yeah. he's going to he's gonna be there. So you'd have yeah. to think, like, he's a guy where you can keep him and let Fournette go and, and Shady and some other guys and save some money and yeah. see what Because they have does. Shaq Barrett and Levante David. Both are oh. free agents. They both have to bring – they have to bring both of them back, you would think. Yeah. Didn't know that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, it seems like uh, I think he's a he's he's a cautious buy, uh, like you said for Ceh. I like that term. So I'm going to say he's a cautious buy for me this offseason. Yeah, I actually I I agree with that too. And you know, I'm sure our listeners probably are hating hating us agreeing all the time. And you know, you want to hear a little bit of uh, a little bit of debate back and forth where we disagree on people. But again, you know, I'm on the same page with you here. Um, you know, Fournette, obviously free agent, like you said, he's going to go. So you're going to have – it's going to be Vaughn and Ronald Jones there. And Ronald Jones was a guy that I was kind of off of this year, like coming into this year. Like I know he had a lot of hype, obviously pre-Fournette. You know, he, Ronald Jones had a lot of hype, and you had people who were, thought Ronald Jones was like a screaming buy. He was going to be a steal you know, in redraft and in dynasty. Um, you know, I listened to, to Matt Kelly's, uh, podcast and he likes to play the clip from Peter Overzet where it's like, you're not even on Ronald Jones, dude. You're not even on Ronald Jones. He plays that clip all the time. But you know, I, I kind of like agree with that too. Like I was not on Ronald Jones, but he's looked, Ronald Jones has looked solid this year. Um, you know, he had two dud weeks against new Orleans in week nine and LA and the Rams in week 11, but he also had two games where he had over 24 fantasy points against you know green bay in week six carolina in week 10 um so and then everything else in the middle was like in the middle you know right around that like 12 to 15 fantasy points a game you know kind of hovered right around there which is like solid it's consistent um you know it's like an rb2 
but your Jones was also seventh in rush yards over expectation percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's, he improved his efficiency there a little bit. Um, and the only game that he had, uh, the, the only game that um, Keyshawn Vaughn had where he actually like did anything was last week when Jones had COVID. So, yeah, and he didn't even really do that much last week. He had, he had a nice run here. But so Jones is obviously still going to be ahead of him. But I think you can kind of have that be like a little bit of a one-two tandem. Yeah. Um, and Vaughn's probably a guy who, like you said, like for where he was going, the owner's probably frustrated. So you could probably get him as a throw-in. Or maybe they even dropped him altogether with this deep rookie class. I don't know. Uh, but he, yeah, I like the cautious buy. You know, they're like, if I can get him cheap at the right price, you know, I would pick him up and just kind of see what happens and how that backfield shakes out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't see, I mean, if he gets the role that Fournette has this year, uh, barring injury, I can't see him putting up any fewer right. points than Fournette really did. I mean, it's not like Fournette was like out there creating on his own and all this other stuff. So um, if that's his ceiling next year, yeah, I mean, that's cool. You can use a bye week right. fill in or, you know, yeah. see if a bunch of other people get hurt. Um, right. Well, and I think Vaughn's a better receiver too. So yeah, he may pick up some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think we are going to disagree a little bit on your next guy here. Um, so yeah, fire away. <laughs> well, uh, my next guy is uh, Anthony McFarlane. And, you know, he's a guy that I-, I liked a little bit more than consensus, I think, before the draft. And then, you know, he went to the Steelers and you all kind of perked people's ears up a little bit. And they're like, okay, well, let's pay attention to this guy. Um, you know, he had a down, uh, junior year, the year he came out, but his year before that, a sophomore year was, was fantastic. So, you know, he, you know, he has the capability there. It's more just like getting the opportunity here in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, but you have, um, you know, James Connor going to be a free agent and with the way that the Steelers are looking, you know, they're projected to have, um, you know, negative 22 million in cap space for next year. Oh, is that, is that it? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a lot worse as a Steelers fan, but actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the negative 22 million in projected cap space, but you have Juju who, who's a free agent who it's, everybody's kind of seeming like they're, they're probably going to let him walk. They think they're going to let him walk, but then you also have Bud Dupree who really came on this year and he looked like a he formed a really nice tandem with Watt there before he you know going down with that injury. So, you know, do they keep him? You know, how do they handle that? And then you have Cam Sutton and Mike Hilton, both FAs, um, you know, who both start for them in various roles. So, you know, are they going to bring them back? You know, Alejandro Villanueva is a free agent, Tyson Alulu is a free agent, Avery Williamson, you know, those are all guys who are starting for them currently who are free agents. So they have a lot of holes to fill, not a lot of cap space. So I don't think they're really going to bring in any free agent running back. It's kind of a weaker running back draft class. So I don't necessarily love, I mean, I don't see them spending early capital there and I don't love any of the late round guys. So he's a guy who's going to be looking at more opportunity next year. And then they still have Benny Snell there who you know, everybody is probably going to remember like the week that he had in week one where James Conner was a little shaky and Benny Snell had a really nice game. And then we had a couple other games in here where he put up some decent numbers, but you know, he's, he finished with you know 39th in rush yards over expectation per attempt. He's Gary, the snail on player profiler. Um, like that's his picture. 
you know, so he's not an athletic and not explosive guy. He's a 12th percentile spark athlete. He's not anybody who's, you know, going to light the world on fire here. He only had three carries go for 15 yards. So, you know, I don't particularly feel inspired by Sidnell. So, you know, McFarland does have that explosiveness, you know, four, four, 40, you know, 85th percentile speed score. So yeah, he's, he's a guy that I'd be buying for sure. Yeah. So I'm not going to turn this into like the Steelers happy hour where I just discussed like all the cap stuff that they have going on next year. Um, but Dupree's not coming back. They basically said that at the beginning of the year. Um, oh, we really? do have his, we, yeah, like it was like a, it, it was known. It was known. Um, we drafted his replacement this year. Who's actually looked pretty solid. And Alex okay. Highsmith. Um, oh, uh, Hayden, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. He's looked pretty good. Hayden's rumored to be a cap casualty. They'll probably bring back Sutton at least if not Hilton as well. Juju's probably gone. Connor, unless he takes like the minimums probably gone. Um, I think these things were all kind of known amongst Steelers fans coming into the year, which is why we were talking pre-show. And I was saying, you know, last year was really the Steelers year and then Ben went down and now they're just kind of trying to, you know, not fall apart quickly. Um, that being said, McFarland has been atrocious this year. He sucks. Like he's terrible. <laughs> I think out of all the Steelers skill position guys this year, he has been the worst. And that's including um, Jalen Samuels, who I think is crap. And he has, and Samuels is at least dependable. Like McFarland, it tries to bounce everything. And he hasn't figured out yet that, you know, in the NFL, that doesn't work unless you're just, you know, extremely special, which he's not. Um, he hasn't been particularly impressive catching the ball, which I thought he was, you know, we haven't given him a ton of targets, but he hasn't looked great in that regard. Um, I shudder at what our running back room is going to look like next year because yes, Snell isn't very good. McFarland isn't very good. Samuels isn't very good. And that's where you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, Najee Harris is a, is a Steelers kind of player. We're going to go get him in the first round. But you just mentioned all these other positions. You know, we need a left tackle. We probably need a, a new center here soon. Pouncey's hitting the end of his career. Um, you know, the, uh, the guard positions, uh, I mean, um, uh, what's his name? DeCastro has been a little, it hasn't been his usual self this year. And the other side of it has just not been great. So there are a lot of needs for the Steelers that I, I do agree that, that I would be pissed if we took a running back early, but the offense really needs somebody else. Cause I just don't think McFarland's that guy. Um, I would be comfortable if I had a, you know, if I had gone out, maybe I have like uh, two firsts and two seconds this year or something. And I have to make a drop. I'm comfortable dropping McFarland as like a last uh, option. Cause I just don't think he'll ever be anything, at least not with Pittsburgh. That's fair. I mean, you know, you know the Steelers, you know, their ins and outs a little bit better than I do, obviously. But I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of people who have a similar mindset to you where, like, if he's an end-of-the-bench guy and there's somebody else that they like, they're going to drop him. So I think that, you know, if, if I can get him for, for basically free off of free agency, like, I'm absolutely taking him. You know, I, I drafted him in one league. It was in, like, the middle of the third round. So I think that you know, his, I didn't pay any premium price there for him. So, you know, I'm fine holding on to him and, you know, I'm content with, with waiting it out and seeing how that backfield shakes out next year, because there's just, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for him. Yeah. The good news is if you have him in a C2C league, um, well, I really hope you didn't spend anything significant on him, but you probably didn't. So it's not going to hurt you that bad. If you, you know, cut bait after this year, uh, with some of these guys coming up. Right. So, 
Um, the last guy I want to talk about is another guy that I just don't think is good, and I don't think he'll ever be good, and that's Zach Moss, who's with the Bills. Um, I had him graded as like a replacement level player going into the draft. You know, maybe he would do something like he'll be in a running back rotation for a few years, but I never, I don't think he's special. I think he's shown this year that he's not special. Um, I don't think the landing spot was detrimental to him, but I don't think it was, it helped him either. Um, the Bills offense is pretty strong, but it's not like the running backs have exactly been flourishing either. I, I don't know. He's a weird situation for me. I know some people really like him, and I think he is like a very natural – like he has the the mental side of the position down. He just doesn't have all the physical stuff you need. So, Yeah. Well, I was right – I'm right there with you. I mean, he was a 45th percentile speed score guy, so he didn't really have the athletic box that I was looking for. And I know people really liked him, and you know they're like, oh, he's Kareem Hunt light or however they wanted to phrase it. And you know, I, I know a lot of people were on him this offseason, but he's not anybody that that I was really interested in either. Like I, I didn't really I mean, yeah, he was he was good in in Utah, but I mean it was Utah, you know. And they had Singletary there already, so you knew it was gonna be a pretty split backfield. And it's not like either of them have been productive this year at all. Like neither of those are guys you wanted to start either week. I mean, Singletary has the 13th lowest uh, rush yards over expectation percentage, and Moss has the 21st lowest. So neither of those guys have been particularly good this year. Their snap shares have been all over the place. Uh, you know, Zach Moss, um, you know, he came back from injury in week six, and five of the nine games, so almost 50%, he had 50%, right around 50% of the snap share. And the other games, he was just under that. It was like 45 so they're basically in a dead even time split. He has one game with more than 12 fantasy points. And he has the, the only games where he has double digit fantasy points at all are games where he scored. So he's not anybody that like if you started him, you were desperate. You know, so I, he's not a guy that I'm interested in either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, probably the, the position that everybody wants to talk about the most is going to be wide receiver. You know, outside of uh, CEH, really, that you know, the other positions didn't have a big guy that 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 really underperformed expectations. Uh, and I would say probably the guy that underperformed the most, at least uh, for me this year, was Jerry Judy. Yeah, uh, Jerry Judy is a guy that it's it's a very interesting case this year because he was a lot of people's and, and myself included. He was our wide receiver one, you know, or he was one B to Lamb's one A, or however you had that shakeout. Uh, and, you know, now you have Lamb who broke out. You have Jefferson who broke out this year. You have T. Higgins who's about to break out this year. I think, he, you know, he's about to hit that. It's like 200 fantasy points or, or 1,000 yards threshold for a rookie breakout or for a breakout. And that he's going to hit that as a rookie this week or he should. So you have those three guys. Then you had Claypool kind of not necessarily come out of nowhere, but like he had some big games in there. So he's on everybody's radar you know, and compared to where you got him, you're very happy with the production that he got. You know, LaVisca Chenault is a guy who flashed a little bit here and there. You know, he's not anybody you paid too much for either. So you're likely happy with what you've seen from him, especially with getting Trevor Lawrence coming in there this year. Um, you know, you had Baron Ayuk, who's had some big weeks here too. You know, and then you look at Jerry Judy, who you spent a first round pick on, probably a mid first uh, to get him. And you know, he just, he hasn't really done anything this year, but the thing that gets me is 
where's everybody who, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody's like, oh, you have to be patient with rookies. Rookies tend to start slow. Rookie receivers start slow. You have to be patient. You know, give them the three-year, it was a three-year window, you know, and they had that 2014 class with uh, Odell and Evans and Watkins and Robinson and, and all those guys where, you know, everybody was like, you know, oh yeah, after that class, we need to get back to managing expectations. And I think this is going to be the same thing where you have some guys who just absolutely burst it out and, you know, everybody's on those guys and you're going to forget about the other guys too, who didn't break out, you know, but look at Devonte Adams. Now he's the best wide receiver in the league. He's the best fantasy wide receiver in the league. And, you know, people left him for dead. So I think that that's kind of what's going to happen with, with Judy here, but you know, he, he's got some promise here. He's 23rd in the league in his team's uh, percentage of air yards with 31.9% of his air yards. He averages 13.8 air yards, uh, you know, he's which is number 14 in the league. But the biggest thing is he's not a deep ball wide receiver. So they're asking him to do something that he just doesn't do. You know, the, one of my notes from him, you know, it was – um, you know, coming in here from my from my draft profile that I wrote up for him was he's hardly ever put into contested catch situations. It was something I needed to see more to accurately feel like I could assess his ability just because it never happened. But when it did, he did have some drops when trying to track the ball. He doesn't track the ball well, the best on deep throws, which you see in right now he's last in the league in catch percentage because they have him running deep and he's just dropping the ball. And that's more along the lines of a, co- a poor combination of Sutton going down, who filled that role, and Drew Locke being uh, more of a heave it deep kind of a guy rather than you know throwing short dinking and dunking. But you know, I think when you get Sutton back, and then you had the emergence of Tim Patrick this year, I think next year you're going to see Jerry Judy just slide back into that slot role where he's just way better and way more comfortable. You know, he was 33rd in the league in slot snaps this year, but he's a guy that it just looks way better when he runs in the slot. He's just way more comfortable there. And it allows him to use his elite separation skills, which, you know, everybody talked up that. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but, you know, Jerry Judy had some fantastic route running ability. So I saw today that someone had mentioned, I don't know where they get these stats from, but he's like the he's like 83rd in the NFL in separation this year. 86th, 86th. Okay. So. I have the stat up here actually, which that wasn't me who tweeted it out, but um, I'm glad you brought that up because he's 86th in the league in uh, yards per separation with 2.8. Can you, do you have any idea who is right around him? In that um, no, cause I don't, cause I don't even know how they measure it. Like, I don't know, I don't know, know how they measure it and they like get out, you know, like a, a measuring yeah. stick. Like, I, I don't know how they do it, but yeah. Well, here's so it's on next, it's on uh, NFL next gen stats. Mm-hmm. And if you go and you look him up, he's ahead of Julio, he's ahead of Tyler Boyd, he's ahead of DK, OBJ, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, and Claypool. He's ahead of all of those guys. You know, he's behind Russell Gage, Kendrick Bourne, Chris Conley, and Nikhil Harry. You know, Drew Sample is in the top 10 in yards per separation. So I don't know how they score those either, but I think based on all that sample size that I just threw out, I think you can just completely throw that out the window. Well, like, just, I don't think that matters at all. You just blew up my Drew Sample buy 
window. So thanks for that. <laughs> we, we are getting to tight end later, but uh, that's not a spoiler alert. We're not talking about sample. But yeah, so like, yeah, like I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was, like I said, I don't mention all of the notes that I have on here because I like I write type up a lot of stuff, but that was something that I I was getting towards. Yeah, I think I mean he has he still has 716 yards this year. Yeah, like he's not. I mean he's been terribly inefficient. He only has 47 catches on 106 targets. Yeah, but it's not like you know catch rate. Yeah, so I mean that hurts, but. He's getting the targets, and you got to figure either well Sutton comes back next year, and that either helps him or if if they don't produce again next year, then Locke's gone. You know, like right. there there are um, outs like each of the next year or two where you can still probably buy Judy at a really nice price because you can say you know oh well yeah Locke sucked you know they didn't have Sutton this year and the next year if you see you can say oh well Locke sucked this year or you know right. I I think there's gonna be a lot of building excuses. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I regret having him as my wide receiver one at this point, but I'm not fading him. No. Like yeah. He's yeah, he's a screaming buy for me. I mean, do does it look good for anybody who had him as their wide receiver one right now? No, it doesn't. You know, because you had all those other guys who just who hit. And there were a lot of people out there who had him as a wide receiver one. So when you look at that and you look at everybody else, you know, it doesn't look good to have him as a wide receiver one. You know, everybody's, you know, kind of trying to walk back that take a little bit or, or figure out why or what's happening. But I think it's pretty clear, like, what's happening. They're just, they're asking him to do something he's not comfortable doing. He's not good at doing. If you put him in a situation that allows him to capitalize on his strengths, I think he could absolutely still be the wide receiver one in this class. And, you know, like I said, just go back to some of those 2014 guys that people left for dead. And, and, you know, like, like I said, like Devonte Adams, like such a late breakout. So I don't think it's over for Judy yet. And I think there's a really nice buy window right now. Yeah. So I guess the other, um, you know, the, the hot topic I think on Twitter and stuff lately has been just crapping on the Bama receivers. Um, and we're going to talk about them again here with rugs. Um, cause both of the guys that the Raiders took this year didn't really do that much. Um, which makes you wonder, like, was it just terrible drafting, is it something that drew, that uh, that Carr was doing? Is it something that the you know these two guys messed up? Because I mean, I liked Rugs. I thought um, I mean, so just based on his tape, I had him as my wide receiver four. He bumped down a lot once I factored in the other stuff with him. He was like my wide receiver eight or nine, I think total. Um, I didn't end up with him anywhere this year, which kind of, I mean, I, I'm probably going to go try buy him in a place or two this year. Cause I think his value is just considered so low, but they, they don't use him correctly. So I think that explains a lot of, of him. Like you can't, you can't draft a guy who all in college was winning on short stuff that he was, you know, then beating people in a foot race and then just want to send them deep all the time and expect, yeah. I mean, maybe they're trying to, to round out his game a little bit. I don't really know. But and I don't know why they bought him when or when they drafted him because they already have a bunch of guys that excel in the short and intermediate stuff between Renfro and uh, Waller. Like yeah. that pick didn't make sense to me at the time. Um, you know, completely ignoring that they took him at the you know uh, this the first receiver off the board. So that like his struggles this year, based on that, don't actually surprise me that much. Uh, Brian Edwards actually surprises me a lot more. Um, because I thought he could step in there and give them something they don't really have, which is, you know, a bigger presence on the outside. And 
he was he was dinged up a little bit this year, but they just haven't really gotten him the ball, and I I don't really have an explanation for it. Um, he's a guy that I'm. I had to go back and watch a couple Raiders games before I can make a determination on what I want to do with him because I can't contextualize his struggle. But if I have him somewhere, I'm trading him. And I think, especially yeah. in a C2C league, I think you can flip him for a, a solid, young, co- collegiate receiver. And I'll, I'll just roll the dice again on somebody, you know, in a couple of years. Um, so, yeah. That's yeah, I'm, I'm with you there on that. I mean, the biggest thing with Brian Edwards is his injury history. I mean, he just he just can't stay healthy. He, had, he was a couple injuries in, in uh, college. He missed a full year there with a meniscus. You know, then, you know, he was put up a nice year and he's, you know, was then he fractures his foot training for the combine. And, you know, that foot's kind of flared up a little bit throughout the season. You know, he was injured in the middle of the year this year, weeks four through nine. And then he just inexplicably didn't have any snaps in weeks 14 and 15, which, I mean, he was listed as healthy. He just didn't get on the field at all. So he has like a average 22.9% snap share since he's been back from injury. So I think that's the biggest thing is they're just, they're not putting him on the field. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like you said, the the other pieces that they have, like they have, um, you know, Renfro that they use in the slot. They're using rugs out wide and like a clear out role, which I'll get a little bit to that in a sec here. But, you know, then they have Nelson Aguilar who just, you know, has a sudden rebirth here, you know, who knows where he came from, but he's a free agent after this year. And I think he played his way into a bigger contract somewhere. Now, whether the Raiders sign him, I don't know, but I do think you're going to see Edwards get on the field a little bit more next year. Now the that's the biggest thing is can he stay healthy when he does get on the field? If Philly could really use a receiver, maybe they'll go after Aguilar. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, they, I know they, uh, I know they love, uh, you know, guys like with his profile there. So I mean, I think, uh, I, I think there's what a clip out there of somebody throwing babies out a window or catching babies yeah. out of a window. Yeah. Um, yeah, only in Philly, only in Philly, man. And- <laughs> yeah, but. So I think the biggest thing, Edwards is a hold for me right now. I'm not going to sell him just because I don't think you're going to get anything for him. And like I said, I think you know he can get on the field next year with uh, with, with Aguilar going. But so I, I'm holding on to him. But then to you know touch on your point about rugs, and then he's second in the league in a dot right now, 17.8. So they're clearly just using him as a clear out role. And that's just not what he did in college. You know, one of my, one of my notes on him was he was just a natural hands catcher. He was really tough on balls over the middle. He hung on through contact really well. And then he would just, you know, hang on to the contact, spin out of it and then foot race and he's gone. So he was more a yak guy than he was, you know, a deep ball guy and he didn't really show great ball skills. So like, he's not like a jump ball receiver. So I don't know why they're, they're using him in this deep role. You know, he's, he's out there in the field though. You know, they're using him. He's a 69.3% snap share. So I think he's, I just think he's in a bad situation. Cause I don't think Carr is the right quarterback to use him as a deep role. Like cars just doesn't throw the ball deep. And then, like you said, they have Renfro and Waller in the short and intermediate areas running the higher percentage routes that I don't think they're going to move on from those guys. So, uh, Ruggs is definitely a sell for me. 
actually. Like, I mean, I don't think you should have necessarily bought him at his price in the first place because he was going back half of round one. And I just didn't see that. I didn't see him producing the level that you needed there. It's because he's overall likely a better NFL player than a fantasy asset. You know, I, I, I liked his tape a lot, like you said. But then when you factor in some of the other things, he doesn't have a breakout age. His dominator rating was in the 17th percentile. So when you start factoring in things like that, you know, he just he didn't fit the profile of a guy that I wanted to take in the back half of round one. And it's a good thing that they only have John Gruden there for another seven years at $70 million or else, you know, I'd, I'd be really worried about, well, you know, how things are going to shake out there. So God, yeah. God bless the Raiders, man. They just give us so much stuff to talk about. Yeah. Well, how long is Mayock there for? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. He'll, he'll leave before Gruden, though. I mean, push comes to shove. Yeah, the, Gruden would win any power struggle there. So Ruggs has a... Uh, Ruggs is going to have to hope to get out of there after his rookie contract. He's going to have to hope to pull Devontae Parker. Yeah. All right. So last guy we're going to talk about is Jalen Rieger. Um, take it away. Cause I don't have any strong feelings about Jalen either way. <laughs> um, I, I didn't really have any strong feelings on him coming into the year. Uh, other people were a lot higher on him than I was. I mean, he had that 18.78 breakout age, the 73rd percentile dominator rating. Uh, you know, and then he's this bursty athlete, 98th percentile burst score, 70th percentile speed score. So he had all of that stuff that you were looking for. But, you know, when I watched him, you know, at TCU, he was a good yak receiver, um, but he really needed refinement with his route running. He really had to improve his play strength because he just, he didn't win on, on any contested balls. He wasn't a tough receiver. Um, so, you know, he wasn't a guy that I was super intrigued by. And then this year, I mean, he missed, he did miss five games with injury and the Eagles have kind of been a mess all year. So you, you could probably find people who are still intrigued by him. Um, and this, this week you Goddard's going to be out. Djax is going to be out. Sanders is going to be out. So I could see easily see him popping off this week and creating like a, some intrigue and people might want to try to buy low. And I would look to take advantage of that if you can. Um, you know, also throw in the fact that Alshon and Deshaun or uh, Jackson are not expected to come back. They're both free agents. Um, so you could throw that into your argument if you're trying to sell somebody on taking him off of your hands. But he just doesn't look like an, an alpha wide receiver. You know, he, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy probably ever. And you know, he could be a wide receiver two potentially. But and I don't necessarily know I see that, especially because I think they're going to draft a wide receiver early this year. So I think Jalen Rager is a guy that I'm looking to sell if I can. I, I felt like every time someone talked about Jalen Rager this this um, this past offseason, it felt like almost like a snake oil salesman trying to sell me something I don't need. Like they try to sell him as this guy with like, you know, that, that was just dominating presence in college. He wasn't. I realized the offense wasn't great, but they tried to paint him as this alpha. He clearly wasn't. They tried to paint him as this guy that was, you know, this uber athlete and he disappointed at the combine. They tried to say he was, you know, one of the top guys on the board. And the only team that was foolish enough to take him in the first round <laughs> was the team that has consistently, you know, beyond the Ravens, there's probably not a team that drafts uh, or receivers early worse than the Eagles. Uh, the Patriots. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Those three are almost in like a class of their own. Where just if they take a guy early at that position, it's almost, you know, you don't fade a guy based on you know on that kind of metric, but you're like, oh god, like here we go again. <laughs> it, it, it's just always in the back of your mind. So, 
that's what I felt like with Rager all offseason. I thought that his ceiling was like a, a mid wide receiver two for fantasy, which is still like a nice player. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, the, all the alpha stuff and just I, I never thought that was within his his, you know, his spectrum of outcomes. What I will say is that his target share has ticked up since uh, Hertz started playing. Not that I think Hertz is a long term starter either. Um, I'm st- really not sold on him at all. I think teams need like five or six games on him and then he's just going to get crushed. Yeah. Um, so if you can, if you can sell him for uh, what you spent on him uh, based on that, then I think you do that all day and you're happy with it. Yeah, or I, I totally agree. Or, you know, use him to, you know, package Rager and, you know, maybe a, like a late second, if you have it for Judy, I'm doing that all day. Yeah. Um, tight end wise, we're not really going to talk about as per usual tonight, just because there's not a lot of, I mean, this past class was just totally, totally terrible. It's the worst tight end class I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> the only guy that I'm interested in that I think that like, like commit flashed a little bit. Um, I'm not buying commit. Um, no. the only guy that I'm buying from this class actively is Josiah Deguara. Um, and I don't even like love Deguara. Um, I, I don't just even know think, if you have to buy him. I think he could probably be free. Oh, uh, he's probably free. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm looking maybe to add him this year if I can in some fashion. Uh, he's a good athlete. You know, he's more of an H back than a tight end. But um, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of that Packers offense next year because we we looked before the show. A Tunyon's a restricted free agent. Yeah. Um, and he was an undrafted guy originally, so he's you know low tender. He'll be back. Um, it's really going to be dependent on what else they do in the draft, but. Yeah, I, I think he's a good athlete. I like Dequara. Right. Well, and I, I do think you got to figure they're going to bring in some receiver this year. Like they got to bring in somebody to help out Rodgers and help out Devontae Adams. I mean, psych. You know, they said that last year too. <laughs> fair. Definitely a fair point. But, you know, maybe they'd hit it this year. I don't know. But the thing with Dequara too is like, like you mentioned, he's a good athlete. He was an 84th percentile spark athlete. So, you know, and that's what you look at at the tight end position. Like, you know, I, I gone are the days where Jason Witten and Owen Daniels are fantasy producers at tight end. Like, I don't want any of those guys. Like Jack Doyle, like get out of here. Like, I don't want anybody like that. Like, it, it, you have to be an athlete nowadays at the tight end position, which is part of the reason why it takes so long for some of these guys to develop because you get guys like Logan Thomas, like Darren Waller, who are more athlete than they are tight end or than they are like football player at this point. And it takes a while for them to learn the position, but once they do, you know, they use their athleticism and then they can be real mismatch guys. So yeah, I, I would pick up Josiah Degara, uh, you know, off of free agents. If there's not anybody else that I'm interested in, or if I just made a trade and it was a three, I gave up three guys and I got two back and now I have an open spot. Yeah. I'll go pick them up. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Um, so the last little thing we want to talk about here tonight, we're not going to spend like a ton of time on this because nothing's happened this offseason to, to shake things up truly. Um, it's all just speculation, really. But we just want to talk about kind of some quarterbacks that are uh, have had some things happen recently that that their outlook has has changed quite a bit. Uh, the first one we have here is Rosen getting picked up by San Francisco. And since I know how much you love Josh Rosen, I'm just going to let you talk about this. I'm going to offer no rebuttal, and we're just going to move on to the next thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you guys can't tell, this was uh, definitely my way of getting Rosen onto the onto the show sheet. He I tries every week. He tries every week, and I have to shut <laughs> him down. But this week I let him have it. It's a new year. 
It worked. It's a new year. Austin's resolution is to be nicer to me. So I'm going to take full advantage of that because like every new year's resolution, it's going to go by the wayside very quickly. Um, so I had to sneak Rosen on the show sheet here this week. Uh, but also, you know, he got picked up off of Tampa's taxi squad or uh, their rookie, but their, their practice squad um, by San Francisco. And, you know, they have, they've had quarterback problems all year, San Francisco. You know, they, they had Jimmy G who hasn't looked good. And then Mullins looks good for bits and, and then he doesn't. And they have CJ Beathard there. So it's just kind of a mess, but they just picked him up and heading into the off season. They're not going to make the playoffs. So Beathard's going to be a free agent next year. You know, I don't see why Beathard sticks around in that, in that crowded room when he was been delegated to the number three, you know, I think he's gone. They got Mullins, who's a restricted free agent. And I mean, Mullins has flashed enough that I think some other team who has quarterback issues may take a shot at him. I mean, hell, the Bears signed Mike Glennon. So, you know, maybe the Bears sign Mullins. I don't know. So, and then Rosen's an exclusive rights free agent, which means that if the Niners offer him a one-year deal at the minimum, he can't negotiate with any other team. He basically is at the Niners' mercy. So if the Niners want to bring him back, they bring him back. And I don't think they're at, they're not high enough in the draft where they're probably not going to get anybody that I'm interested in at quarterback. I mean, maybe they bring in Mac Jones or, or Trask where they're at, but I don't think very highly of either of those two guys. You know, I do like Lance, so maybe they bring in Trey Lance, but Lance is a guy who needs to sit for at least a year, to, uh, you know, before he could be anything. And, you know, people are really fed up with Jimmy G. So, he's got and maybe this is just you know me with my rose colored glasses on but he's got a potential path there um to to potentially be fantasy relevant so i'm sure he's a free agent in any league that you're in that i'm not in with you because if you are in that league he's on my team uh but yeah he's a guy that you could like i mentioned with uh deguara like you know if you just made a three for two trade and now you have an open bench spot go pick him up see what happens Colin is the reason that some of those platforms keep guys on there for like 10 years after they retire. Like you could pick Terrell Owens up on like some platforms <laughs> until recently. It's going to be that way with him, with Rosen. So um, they're going to have to pry Rosen off of my roster out of my cold dead fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Haskins is the other big name that that's recently had a change of fortune, obviously the opposite direction of Rosen. And all I really have to say about Haskins and this was known when he was drafted is that he I don't think he ever really cared about football. I don't. I think he cares more about being recognized as a football player than playing football. I mean, there were those stories of him charging all that money to his uh, draft party, and him and his dad went out and like trademarked all that shit that like had his name on it and stuff leading up to the draft. The, the, yeah, he just he's never cared about football. I mean, it's during a pandemic and he's out maskless at a club. It's one thing after another, taking a selfie with a fan at the end of the game last year and missing out on the closing snaps. I I literally don't think I've heard of a single smart thing the dude's done, and I've heard of like 10 stupid ones. So I'm not buying Haskins anywhere. I don't have him anywhere. And in fact, if I don't, I'd almost be comfortable cutting him in most places because I just think he's done. I don't think he cares. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see him getting scooped up by a team, you know, who has some quarterback issues or you know, maybe, maybe a team like the Steelers or the Colts who 
have an aging guy there at quarterback. They don't really have like a great situation and maybe they take a flyer on him maybe, but even if they do at that point, like sell him immediately. If you, if you still have him because he's just not good. Like he has 6.0 yards per attempt, which is 34th in the league. He has a 66.7 true completion percentage, which takes out like throwaways and drops. And that's also 34th in the league. You know, his accuracy rating that I brought up earlier from player profiler, where Tua was number two, he's number 35. So in no none of those categories is he startable, even on a 32 NFL teams. So yeah, he's just not good. And then he's a bonehead on top of it. So I'm out on Haskins. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the final one here is Darnold. And nothing's really happened for Darnold except for the fact that the Jets no longer are in play for the 101. So you got to figure that changes the math in terms of, you know, they 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 don't get Lawrence. Now do you think Fields is better than Darnold? Do you think it's better to beef up the line? You know, there, there's a lot of other uh, variables in play here now. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on uh, a move for Darnold? Well, I think the biggest thing is going to be listening to some of the rumors coming out, you know, in the off season here to figure out exactly what their plan is. If Joe Douglas, you know, brings in a head coach and that head coach wants to keep Darnold and Darnold sticks around with the jets, then I'm out, you know, at that point, I I don't, the only reason I was even vaguely interested in a jets quarterback to begin with is when I thought they were getting Lawrence. And I didn't love that because I was a little bit worried about that, but Lawrence is just so good that I would have looked over that. But I don't want a Jets quarterback. So if Darnold sticks around, I, I'm, I'm pretty much out on it. If Fields goes to the Jets, you know, I have him in a Debbie league. I may look to move him if he goes to the Jets. I'm gonna be honest because I just don't want a Jets quarterback. Like that team, that organization is just pretty, pretty dysfunctional. And, and I think until they they change that a little bit, you know, it, maybe they go the way of the Browns. Maybe Fields comes in there and changes the culture. And he changes it the way that Baker kind of has, although I think that's a little bit more towards Stefanski. Uh, you could see this year rather than Baker getting the credit for it. So maybe they bring somebody else in and it changes things, but I'm not willing to take that gamble. You know, and Darnold hasn't been particularly good this year either. You know, he's 5.9 yards per attempt, which is 35th in the league, which is right behind Haskins. Um, you know, he's, he's 30th in accuracy rating. So he's barely startable it's he he hasn't been particularly good with the jets so if he's still with the jets i'm out if he goes somewhere else if they trade him and they draft fields it would depend on where he goes but i don't i wouldn't buy darnold anywhere and i would probably well, like to sell what do you think his value is um uh, if you had to do like a player for a player on the college side for sam darnold player for a player on the college side for darnold yeah am i buying darnold or am i selling darnold um Either let's just say objectively, like you okay, know, you're you're uh, you're a third a, a disinterested <laughs> third party in the in the process. Um, so I think you would probably at that point look at somebody who doesn't really have any NFL prospects. You know, they're they're like a G five guy who you know they they put up some solid numbers. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head uh, who the the quarterback for um, Tulane was that freshman this year who looked pretty solid. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's a guy that I would probably flip for Darnold there. Like 
he's I, I haven't watched Tulane this year, so like I don't know, maybe he's a pro prospect, but I just kind of doubt it. Um, so it's more just that you're buying him for the next three years of solid college production that he's going to put up. So here's, I think this is where we find the most of our disagreement because I think you're just way too cheap on on guys that have proven they can be starting NFL quarterbacks. Which maybe you disagree. Maybe you don't think Darnold's proved that. I think he, I think he has, even if it's a lower level. I think that's like super cheap. Like that's yeah. Well, like, so, like if you offered me that, I would be insulted. I'm not yeah, sure. like if if Darnold sticks with the Jets, that's just where I'm at. Um, if Darnold goes somewhere else, you know, I, I then then I'll revisit it. But I think the biggest thing with me is I'm slow to move on quarterbacks, and. Your your tweet that you sent out, um, you know, where your your shower thought tweet, where you mentioned that Deshaun Watson should probably be the number two overall quarterback because he's proven it, you know, a couple years in a row now, as opposed to Lamar, who was the clear cut number two last year because he had a huge year, and you know, Josh Allen this year should be the clear cut number two because he had a huge year this year, but I'm not ready to move those guys up. I'm slow to move on quarterbacks which frequently does mean I miss out on guys. Like I did miss out on Russell Wilson. You know, I, I wasn't ready to buy in after his first two years. I was like, after his first year, second year, I was like, I don't know. You know, so, and then seeing more along the same lines with Dak, you know, um, I missed out on Dak. Like Dak had two really solid years. And then once I saw it for two years, I was like, all right, now I'm ready to change my opinion. And it works the opposite way too, where, you know, a guy that I like, I'll find a little bit more excuses for. I'm slower to move off of like that. Now, obviously Rosen's a very extreme example of that and we jest about it, but I've clearly moved off of Rosen. Um, but, uh, you know, on the college side where we were talking like with card cards, a guy that card is a guy that I like, even after Casey Thompson looked really good. I was going to ask you about that here to close out the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, Casey Thompson comes in the bowl game and looks and looks good, um, you know. So all it throws cold water on all my card takes, but I'm still not ready to move off of card. I still think that there's a 50-50 shot at least that he can emerge from the spring as a starter, um, you know, because he got in the game a little bit there. Now he didn't do anything. I think he was in for a handful of snaps before they moved on to the fourth guy because um, they were just blowing them out so bad, but. So yeah, I'm just slower to move on quarterbacks and slower to change my opinion. Yeah, so I'm looking. I'm I've been putting together over the past week or two, um, like really solidifying my my C two C rankings, not just Debbie, you know, not just CFF. You know, I'm I'm trying to merge all of that into one set of rankings. I'm looking at my ranges here now. I think quarterbacks. So I have Grant Gannell, Carson Strong, and Desmond Ritter back to back to back at 17, 18, 19. I think that's about the range where maybe I started feeling comfortable moving for Darn or moving Darnold for one of them. Uh, running back a little bit lower, I'm looking at, I would say maybe the, like I have Tyler Goodson, Josh Johnson, Sincere McCormick at 29, 30, 31. And I think those were guys that maybe I'd feel comfortable. Receiver, uh, man, I'm looking at, I have like yeah, 27, 28, 29, or Donovan Green, Jordan Addison, Reggie Roberson. That might be uh, the range for him there. So that's like the kind of player that I'd be looking for, for Darnold. That's fair, but uh, I'm not giving up any of those guys for Darnold. I like those guys better. More Darnold for me then. Perfect. Have at it. 
You can have all the Darnolds you want. Like I said, if he goes somewhere else, I'm willing to obviously reevaluate and and you know maybe bump that up a little bit. But the way things stand right now, I, I'm assuming that the Jets keep him and try to build around him. Well, uh, super spoiler alert uh, in our uh, our C2C we're doing here. That's the cartoon themed. I'm totally going after Darnold, and my team's going to be Hey Darnold. It's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be. I mean, that's just for the namesake, though. That's fine. I respect yeah. that. Got, you got to do it for the name. Yeah. All right. So that's the show for this week, guys. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping keeping matters here uh, as we head into the weekend. Uh, um, we are uh, where we would appreciate if you guys can rate and review and subscribe on whatever podcast uh, platform you use. It seems like it still seems like about 90% of our downloads are coming from Apple Podcasts. That's the big one that, that allows you to do all those things. So if you could do that, that would be lovely. Um, you can feel free to tweet at either of us. I am at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at campus Two Canton, the number two in the middle there. We are both very responsive. We will chat just about anything you want. Um, not even limited to football. I like talking about cooking. I like talking about cigars. I like talking about craft beer. What are some things people can tweet at you, Colin? Um, I mean, I love movies, TV shows, um, you know, everything like that. So, you know, I'm a big buff when it comes to that stuff. So, you know, tweet at me, your your movie takes, TV show takes, TV recommendations. Uh, although I've, I've watched a lot of TV, so I've probably seen a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can tweet at me at that stuff. You know, I do – I like March Madness too, March Madness basketball. So I haven't been following it as closely this year with COVID as, as I would like to. And we're trying to get this podcast and we're trying to get the, the website launched here, uh, which is coming down the pipeline hopefully soon. Uh, we're trying to get all that stuff done. I haven't been able to keep up with that as much. So, um, you know, maybe you guys can educate me on some of that stuff right now because I, I'm a little bit behind on that. But you know, there's definitely some of my interests there. Um, one of my other interests is Trey Sermon, uh, who looks really good down the stretch. Like I had mentioned that he he might. So uh, I'm just watching the game right now. And so I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll be regrouping here, uh, talking to you guys, doing another Campus Life episode on Monday. Um, and uh, I think that's the show. Happy New Year, guys. Um, we look forward, like we said, to uh, to spending this whole year with you. Happy New Year. 2020 is over, and now you get a brand new year, and you get us for a full year. Well, what more can you ask for? Exactly. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>